On today's headline update show for Ranting Politics, we cover the following headlines. Putin shows off 2022 peace deal. Corporate America bets big on the Dems. And today's quick hits. Let's kick it off with today's three quick hits. Number one, the LA Times declares war on RFK Jr. The article titled is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a threat to your health and our democracy. Business columnist Michael Hilzik writes, quote, the dangers from Kennedy's campaign should be clear. One is that a Kennedy candidacy that gains any real traction alone will increase the political credibility of anti-vax claptrap, which already has more than enough. Another is that it could cut into the vote in 2024 for a, quote, responsible Democrat, whether President Biden or anyone else, which could sweep Trump or a Trump clone into office, along with the thuggish attacks on diversity, inclusion, and voting rights, that have become the alpha and omega of GOP politics. Number two, the Wall Street Journal says there could be a Bitcoin bonanza if the new BlackRock ETF is approved. The world's largest asset manager could be a lifeline for crypto and spark a windfall for some traders. Betting that BlackRock's filing for an exchange-traded Bitcoin fund gets approved might be a foolhardy given that the black box of regulators thinking, but a nod would have an electric effect on the besieged asset class if it were to happen. And finally, number three. Representative Beth Van Doyne, a Republican from Texas, has introduced legislation aimed at foreign adversaries with a focus on China from buying up U.S. farmland. The legislation is known as the Protecting American Farmland Act, The bill would amend the U.S. tax code to prevent undisclosed purchases of U.S. farmland by imposing a 60% excise tax against American foes. RP is working behind the scenes now on an in-depth you-need-to-know segment digging into the rise of foreign countries buying up American farmland. Okay, today's headline topic. We examine a recent meeting with African Union leaders. Russian President Vladimir Putin presented a narrative that has largely been overlooked. He claimed that Ukraine, in the spring of 2022, had signed a peace treaty with Russia, only to discard it shortly thereafter, relegating it to forgotten history. The meeting, held at the historic Konstantinovsky Palace in St. Petersburg, was attended by leaders from South Africa, Senegal, Egypt, Zambia, Uganda, the Congo Republic, and the Comoro Islands. These leaders had previously visited the Ukrainian capital of Kiev before their rendezvous with Putin. According to Putin, the peace treaty, known as the Treaty of Permanent Neutrality and Security Guarantees of Ukraine, was signed during the initial phase of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. The negotiations took place in Istanbul, Turkey, with the aim of fostering trust between the two warring sides. The treaty Putin claimed 
was based on the condition that Moscow would withdraw its troops from Kyiv. It also specified the number of troops to be stationed in other parts of Ukraine. However, Putin accused Ukraine of discarding the agreement as soon as Russia complied with the request and withdrew its troops from the capital. The Russian leader further revealed and showed signatures that the draft treaty stipulated that Ukraine must enshrine permanent neutrality in its constitution. The treaty listed Russia, the U.S., Britain, China, and France as guarantors. An addendum to the draft outlined both Russian and Ukrainian proposals regarding the size of Ukraine's standing army during peacetime, as well as its equipment. However, the peace negotiations broke down in the spring of 2022, shortly after Ukrainian officials accused Russian troops of killing civilians in several small cities around Kyiv. These allegations were made immediately after Russian soldiers had withdrawn from the areas outside the Ukrainian capital, a move that the Kremlin described as a, quote, goodwill gesture. Putin argued that Ukraine was responsible for sabotaging the negotiations, stating, After we pulled our troops away from Kyiv, as we had promised to do, the Kyiv authorities had tossed the draft treaty into the dustbin of history. They abandoned everything. The African delegation arrived in Moscow following a meeting with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in Kyiv. South African President presented a nine-point roadmap to end the hostilities, calling on both sides to de-escalate. In response, Putin questioned the guarantees that Ukraine would not walk away from agreements in the future. But he went on to state, However, even under such circumstances, we have never refused to conduct negotiations. Adding to the complexity of the situation, Putin's account reflects an article published in Foreign Affairs last year that cited multiple former senior U.S. officials who said Russia and Ukraine tentatively did agree on a peace deal in April of 2022. They said the agreement would have involved the Ukrainian promise not to join NATO in exchange for a Russian withdrawal to the pre-invasion lines, and Ukraine would have received security guarantees from several countries. However, Putin again claimed that after the Russian withdrawal, Ukraine abandoned the treaty. He also suggested that Western pressure could have led to the Ukraine scuttling of the treaty. Then-British then Prime Minister Boris Johnson visited Kyiv on April 9, 2022, a few days after Russia completed its withdrawal from the north. According to a report from Ukrainska Pravda, Johnson urged Ukrainian President Zelensky not to negotiate with Russia and that even if Ukraine was ready to sign a deal with Putin, Kyiv's Western backers were not. The Ukrainska Pravda report said at the time Russia was ready for a Putin-Zelensky meeting, but two factors stopped it from happening. The discovery of dead Ukrainian civilians and Johnson's visit. Then, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett was trying to mediate between Putin and Zelensky in March 2022 and gave a similar account of the West position. He said the U.S. and its allies blocked his mediation effort and that he thought there was a 
quote, legitimate decision by the West to keep striking Putin and not negotiate. After peace talks were scuttled in April 2022, the Turkish foreign minister said he expected the conflict to end after the Istanbul talks, but then realized some countries in NATO wanted to prolong the war to weaken Russia. A few days after the comments, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin admitted that one of the U.S. goals in supporting Ukraine is to see a Russia weakened. As the war has dragged on, the Biden administration has come out explicitly against a ceasefire. Secretary of State Antony Blinken outlined the position earlier this month and said the U.S. would continue building up Ukraine's military rather than push for peace. The African leaders who met with Putin on Saturday traveled to Russia and Ukraine to push for peace talks and an end to the war. But the chances of new negotiations between the warring sides are slim. The African delegation was in Ukraine on Friday, but Zelensky did not seem open to their proposals and reiterated his position that peace talks can't happen until a full Russian withdrawal. In Moscow, the Kremlin said that the peace initiative presented by the African delegation is very difficult to implement, difficult to compare positions. This Russian narrative, as presented by Putin, underscores the complexities of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the role of international diplomacy, and the influence of external powers in shaping the course of negotiations. It raises questions about the potential for peace, the motivations of the involved parties, and the impact of geopolitical strategies on the lives of ordinary people caught in the crossfire. Before we move on to our next headline update, please take out your phones and follow us on Twitter at RantingRP, where you can submit feedback, topics, and have your questions answered on our show. If you like ranting politics and support independent thought, press that like and follow button on your podcast feed to help support our distribution on this independent podcast. We are working hard to bring you insights free from agenda and commercial interests. For our second headline update, we are diving into a fascinating shift in the political landscape, a shift that's been largely overlooked by corporate media. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that the long-standing relationship between big business and the Republican Party is on the rocks. Corporate donations to the GOP have plummeted to their lowest level in nearly a decade. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, once a stalwart ally of the Republicans, is now throwing its weight behind Democrats in tight congressional races. What we're witnessing here is a realignment of power. Corporate America, it seems, is increasingly cozying up to liberal Democrats. But why? What's driving this shift? Part of the action lies in the GOP's own actions. The party's push to break up big tech and its drift away from free trade have alienated some of its corporate allies. But there's more to it than that. The deeper issue here is the growing symbiosis between big business and big government. As Democrats dole out what some call Biden bucks, corporate America is all too eager to line up for its share of the federal money tree. This is corporate welfare 
on an unprecedented scale. Hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars are being funneled in the name of climate change, semiconductor companies, and other beltway fashionable industries. So where does this leave the GOP? Should they even want or need the support of corporate boardrooms that are increasingly bending the knee in exchange for dollars or pseudo-monopolies due to the regulatory environment? Perhaps it's time for a parting of the ways. The GOP should reposition itself as the party of small business. After all, it's the 80 million small business owners who employ more than 60% of our workers. These are the people who don't have PACs and lobbyists. They don't have swanky offices on K Street. They just want to be left alone to run their businesses. If big business wants to align itself with a party that seems to have a disdain for enterprise, entrepreneurship, and profit, then so be it. That's a reflection on the state of corporate America, not the GOP. As President Calvin Coolidge once said, 90% of people who come to Washington want something they shouldn't have. These days, it seems our Fortune 500 companies want your personal wallets and our tax money. And that's something they definitely shouldn't have. Please like and or follow us, Ranting Politics, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other podcast outlets. You can follow us on Twitter at RantingRP. As always, thank you for listening to our headline updates for Ranting Politics, June 22nd, 2023. Until next time, take care and stay free.